to be able to coach other people successfully, you have to be a coach of yourself. If you're going to ask someone to do something, you have to be willing to do that same thing. And we ask our, our athletes to get better. That's what we ask them to do. So why wouldn't we try to do the same thing? The more you work on yourself, the more you desire to get better at life, to get better at living life, the, the more you're going to have a passion to help others do the same thing. And that's really what it comes down to when we're talking about coaching people. We're not talking about just coaching a game. We're talking about taking a, a group of kids and trying to help them to navigate through life in a way that they can be successful, that they can respond to things successfully. And if we can use a game to help them with that, man, that's awesome. It's episode two of The Coaching Life. And in today's episode, Pat and I begin to talk a little bit about the player development program and what that idea means to us in particular. And in this episode, you're gonna to wanna to really stick around with it because toward the end, toward the last 10 minutes, we really get into what is probably the most important thing for anyone who desires to coach kids in any sport at any level whatsoever. And so I hope you'll stick around. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It's going to take a lot more conversations than this one to completely unpack what we believe would be an ideal player development program situation. So hopefully you'll stick along for the ride, but enjoy episode two of the Coaching Life Podcast right now. The greatest investment a family can make in their child's athletic dreams is player development. The greatest investment a coach can make in his or her team is player development. The greatest investment a league or travel organization can make in their program is player development. When I speak of player development, what exactly do I mean? It's more than just one thing. Player development involves building skills, increasing overall athleticism, building instinct, mental toughness, and deliberately practicing in a manner that prepares the player for the next level at which he or she will be seeking to compete. That is a brief excerpt of a blog post that I made one week ago, actually two weeks ago from the time of recording this. And that post was called, Let's Start Something New, PDP, which stands for Player Development Program. And I began that post by saying, I would like to make a proposal for a new league, a, a new youth baseball and softball program that is long overdue and could have potential to do so much good, especially in a world of travel ball craziness that seems to be spinning more and more out of control each year. And so today I'm here with my co-host, Pat Martin. Hi, Pat. Hey, Chris. And we are going to talk about this idea of player development. And particularly, we would like to um, create a structure for a potential player development program. And we do not have any thought that this is going to be handled in one podcast episode, especially with our, our goal to keep these at about 30 minutes long. And so we are anticipating this being a, a two-parter, maybe a three-parter, who knows, it could be a four-parter. I don't know, depending on how, how much we end up talking about this or how many other perspectives we bring in. But uh, that's what we're here to do today. And uh, Pat, do you have anything that you would like to say by means of introduction to this? 
Well, I think it's just uh, it's good to for people to know you know exactly why uh, we chose the player development program uh, to you know to talk about it on, on our I guess our second episode now of the Coaching Life podcast, and um, you know basically uh, there's just a lot of interest. It seems like you uh, you you wrote a a blog uh, post a few weeks ago that that garnered a lot of interest, and I followed that up with the, with an article of my own, my first ever article that I've written yeah. in my life. And uh, there's there's people interested in that uh, from a social media perspective and a personal perspective. People are still uh, texting me about it and asking me about it, you know. And you have uh, it's a polarizing topic because you have a group of people that uh, that really want to get it going. You know, they're asking how can we get this started. You know, what what can we do to to get it going? And then there's other people that are a little bit more reserved and um, you know have some obstacles and some roadblocks and some thoughts that are why that you know they don't think that something like this is going to work or would work so um, you know for us we're like like we talked about before we we want to open discussion we want to begin conversation and uh, we want to include as many people as we can so uh, this podcast is going to be about PDP player development yeah. program yeah and you mentioned the the blog post and and sending that out to different social media outlets. I usually send you know, links to the everything that I post on you know two two outlets primarily uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, which is where I spend the majority of, of of my social media time. And within one day, the the link that was sent to Facebook garnered forty seven comments and and uh, six shares. And then from those shares, of course, there are comments under under those as well. And I've gone out and tried to. To, to look at and respond to as many of those as possible. But for the most part, you know, I, I, I would say that 90% of those were pretty positive in terms of, you know, hey, this would be amazing. In fact, I'm looking right now at the first comment underneath the, uh, the, the, the post, and, and it actually starts with, this would be amazing with five exclamation points at the end of it. And, and there are reasons behind why people say it would be amazing. There are people who have commented and said that this is something that they've actually been talking about for a long time. And if I think back, if I think about this, elements of player development has been discussed among my friends as well uh, and my co-coaches as you know, guys that coached with me when my kids grew up. Because I actually, I should make a full, full disclosure here. Before we talk about player development program and, you know, because one of the things that we're going to talk about is in order to do this, things have to change mm -hmm. in, in the current structures, things have to change. If you're going to, if you're going to try to do this with, within your current structure of whatever it may be, a, a rec league, uh, you know, a, even if it's, a, if it's a, if it's a city rec league or a private rec league, an organization that created a rec league uh, here locally or, you know, in, in a, in a, in a town or a given group of towns. Um, I had one guy that re responded to me on Twitter that said that he's sending this to the, the director of his, of his league, which covers 600 towns. And so this is, this is a, that, that's a huge league. I sure, mean, that's, you yeah. know, and I actually spoke to the director of the, of, uh, the league here in central Ohio right after sending this. And we had a little bit of an email conversation back and forth because, you know, his desire is the same thing. And, you know, the problem that he has is, is once it gets out to the team level, those teams, you know, the teams that are involved in the league that he runs are all travel ball teams, for the most part, are travel teams. And he said, it seems like more and more, they're wanting to play more games. He said, I send Absolutely. things out and I yeah. give them resources <laughs> and, I, and, and, I, and I desire for them to develop their kids. But he said, I can only do so much. And I understand that those are some of the obstacles that we'll talk about. But I, I guess I should get back to my, my disclaimer or my disclosure. And that is both of my children, 
played, you know, they're done with youth ball now. They're both, they're both college athletes now. And they both played both recreation ball and travel ball. They played in recreation leagues or local league. And they also played on travel teams, which consists primarily of tournament play, weekend right. tournament play. And when you're younger, those tournaments will usually be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then as you get older, those tournaments start, uh, you know, they start earlier. They start Thursdays. They start Wednesdays. When Brock was, was 17 years old, that, that seemed to be the big year for recruiting. There were actually some tournaments that we began pool play on Tuesdays. And that's, you talk about tough for some, for dad coaches who have full-time jobs. Right, absolutely. You, you pretty much have to schedule your vacations and everything. And the reason I want to say, you know, that up front, that, that both of my children have played, and I will also say they played and had great experiences and are both going to be college athletes. And so you might be wondering, well, why would I, why would I talk about, you know, those things being negative? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that those things are completely negative. If it was completely negative, why would anyone want to be involved in it? I mean, it would be, you know, there, would be, there would be no growth of it. The reason why it grows and, and why people enjoy it is because they love the game. We're talking about baseball and softball primarily here, but it happens in soccer. It happens in hockey. Basketball. It happens in basketball. Yeah. It happens in you know, football, not as much. You don't have summer program. Football is a little different animal because it's, 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 you do practice a lot more than you play already, just the nature of the sport. You can't play so many games. Mm-hmm. But back to what we were, what we were discussing, back to, back to baseball, and, and my own children and my own children's experience, even though they both played both rec, rec ball and travel ball, there was, there's still room for improvement. The, the, even I can still remember there were times when I would look at another dad beside me and we would talk about how, when was the last time your kid threw a bullpen? When was the last time your kid had batting practice outside of just playing games on the weekends? When was the last time we had a full round? I mean, once you get into summer ball, one of the big questions is, when's the last time you're actually able to take a full round of pregame infield and outfield? Yeah, You don't do it anymore. That, I mean, you're not allowed on the field. Yeah, but, you're infield you're over beside first base. You're yeah, taking, in you front know, of your dugout. Or four, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're taking some ground balls. So those, there are things that I, I want to make sure I say. Look, we're not, we're, not, we're not just saying that everything is horrible and we would, we, we would never allow our kids to play this because we have allowed our kids yeah. to play it. Same here, too. My, both of my kids have played mm-hmm. uh, rec ball and, uh, and travel ball you know, in the same year. Um, and, and, and from a basketball perspective, kind of the same thing. They've, they've done both as well so then they've played a lot of games you know in a season so yeah that's one thing that we'll talk about is the number of games we play and and both my kids have done that too i was actually at a travel ball tournament uh, this weekend and uh the pitcher uh the the starting pitcher for the game was uh was over you know warming up getting ready to getting ready to go and the coaches were working with him on his curveball they were teaching him teaching him how to throw a curveball right there before the game teaching him how to so there you go oh my right yeah yeah yeah. Well, and, and why would they do that before the game? Because that, they didn't have any practices that yeah, That's the only time they had. Yeah, yeah that's the only right, time they right. had to work on it. So. And, and, that's, and that's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about. And, and, and honestly, that's the, that is the program that, that my kids grew up in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and so just because our kids have played in it doesn't mean that we have no room to talk about areas 
where improvement could be made. Sure. You know, and, and, and I'm not, I, you know, it's like anybody's, it's like any life experience. You know, we, we all look back and we see things in our own lives that we would, that we would say, you know, if I could do that again, I, I would, I would do it differently. And I would go back. It doesn't mean that you don't appreciate the things that you experienced, whether they be positive or negative. It just means that if there were a better way, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go back and do it yes, again? You know, exactly. why? I'm not saying live in the past. I'm just saying that if we can create a better way for the kids of the future, for the, for t- the kids of today, I mean, your kids are still in it. Yeah. You've got a, a, a one in 10 U ball right now. Is that, or yeah, 10 U, 10 U and 13. Yeah. 10 U and 13 U. And, and so you, you have a vested interest because if this could become reality, then your kids would benefit. Right. And that, you know, for me, that's kind of part of the why, you know, yeah. obviously, yeah. because, you know, I have the opportunity right now to kind of, um, redesign and, and, and approach things in a little different way. I still have some time and you know, it's something that I right. sweat a lot right. that, you know, I've, I've with, uh, with my older son, I have about five years to really, um, to help him as much as yeah. I can. And then, you know, that time's over, but I do have that time and, and I want to use it the yeah. best that I can. Yeah. So, well, when you think of player development, there are a lot of reasons why, you know, there are a lot of variables and components to this that we're going to kind of unpack here. What comes to your mind first when you think of a player development program? Like what, what, what I mean by that is, is what, what is the, the biggest difference that you would do if you were to, if you were given the opportunity to create a new localized program, Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what would you do differently? Yeah. Well, for me, I think people separate the idea of, I'd say practice and competition where, you know, in, in in actuality, those things go together. You know, Mm -hmm. if if you want to reach your your maximum potential, you're going to, you're going to do a lot of competing in practice. And I think that's something that, you know, um, uh, uh, people that oppose the idea might say is that, you know, the more games you play against better competition, the better you'll get. You can't, you know, recreate game situations um, in practice, but, but you, but you really can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we talked about before, uh, we want to be able to provide people the ability uh, to do that, you know, yeah. to, to recreate those situations. But for me, it, it is what it, you know, the difference is what it says. It's development. It's mm-hmm. development over um, success, maybe, I guess you could say. Yeah. But uh, it's just the focus of the development of the player development in a, in a, in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. When you say development over success, I want, I want to go back to that because, mm-hmm. because I'm all about success. Sure. I want success and I know you do too. So why can't we have both development and success? I, I would, I would say you, you, you can't, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. 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 You, you have go. to have development. If you want to get true success, if you want to obtain true success, you have to have development, yes. you know, and you can, you can do all right with, with a minimum amount of development. But as you go and get older, um, it's going to become tougher and yeah. tougher. Yeah. And it, I, I think I, I may know what you were, what you were alluding to also when you said that, and that is, it depends on what a person, how a person is divine, defining success. Absolutely. And, yeah. and if we define success by the number of trophies that we bring home at the end of the travel ball season, or the number of games that we want a, a win loss record or how many strikeouts I had today or whatever. If that's the only way we're defining success, heck if, if the only way you define success is a batting average as a, as a kid, 
that's that's a tough one. I mean, yeah. I mean because you may hit, you may go, you know, three for four, but th all three of those hits were CNI singles and duck farts that just happened to land in the grass, and they go down the book as a as a hit. While your teammate just laced three line drives to the outfield and just happened to get caught by awesome plays in the outfield, and that guy goes home feeling bad because he was over, yep. and you were and you batted seven hundred today, and that's and that is. That is the that's the that's a misnomer. That's one of the great misnomers in the game of baseball that and softball uh, that, that that defines success. And I think that having having a, a better understanding of what success looks like in youth sports is sort of a, a, the key to this. It's sort of an umbrella to sure. to this this whole player development idea. And I would even break. I, you, I think you can take a step back from you know hitting the ball hard, and you can talk about your approach at the plate. And yes. what you were thinking and how you swung the bat, you know, and, and, and when you, when you get to that level, you think about what you did before that to prepare yourself to get to the mm -hmm. plate. So, you know, we're every, everything we're talking about here is going back to this development idea. Yeah. And there are, and how do you practice that? When do you, when do you practice that? You know, when, when are we creating time in our practices to deliberately help kids understand the approach aspect of the at-bat. Yes. And for me, I know in, in personal development and personal, personal instruction that I provide, I'm spending a lot more time with kids asking them questions, asking them what they're thinking, asking them, what is your swing word? They look at me like, what are you talking about? What's my swing word? Like, what, what are you, how are you talking to yourself? When you're in that batter's box, what are you saying to yourself? You know, and, and how, in what way, how are you getting in rhythm with that, with that pitcher? I mean, even right now, as I'm sitting here behind this mic, I'm dancing, you know, <laughs> how do you, how are you dancing with that pitcher? And they're like, what are you talking about? And, and, and helping them understand that there's a, there's a feel and there's a there's a there's a there's a mental approach. There's a visualization that takes place with every at bat, and some of them some of them don't don't have that. They just go out there and they just they just look wherever they want to look, or they they you know and 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 they think about maybe the last thing that just happened instead of the the next pitch. And they don't know how to release the the bad in order to prepare for the very next pitch. And and it's it's a it's it's I don't know it's big. I'm I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I want to back up for a second and something that you said about practice versus versus play and games versus you know versus repetition and and creating the the pace the um the co the competitive like feel in practice there's one thing that has happened um, that happens all the time in uh in the game versus practice uh, conversation i remember this is one of the this is one of the things that i remember ha uh, one of the conversations i remember having with one of the dads when you know brock was growing up my, my son was growing up when he was probably 11 or 12 years old and we were talking about how we it seemed like we, we were playing a lot of games we were midway through the summer and we had played so many games on the weekends that we had kind of said hey maybe we should let the kids have a couple of days off instead of practicing you know monday tuesday and wednesday let's let them kind of recoup and recover because we played six or seven games we were going deep into the tournaments on sunday and and so we're like okay let's take monday off and then we decided to just kind of go light on maybe a batting practice on tuesday and then as we you know as the next thing you know we're playing games again on the weekend and one day i remember a friend of mine looked at me and he said he said let's let's take for example our shortstop this past weekend the shortstop is getting the most balls you know on a on a probability you know in a, in a probability scale shortstop is going to get the most balls that's why your shortstop always looks like they have the worst um, fielding percentage because they're more likely to make an error because they're getting the most balls hit. To That's them. a great point. And, and so in a given weekend, he said, if we go back and look at the scorebook and see how many ground balls that shortstop got 
in, in all the games that we played. We may have played 13 games. How many ground balls did he get? And, and I remember doing this one time, and I can't tell you exactly what the number was, but I'm going to highball it just to, just, just to be safe, all right? I remember going through and looking, and there were a couple of games when he didn't get a single ball hit to him. Mm. And so I would say in 13 games, he may have gotten, and I, will, and I think this is a very high estimate, 20 balls hit to him, wow. 20 balls, right? Yeah. And so he's able, and are those, are those right in front of him? Are they to his backhand side, his glove hand side? You know, were any of those double play balls? Were any of those to, you know, balls he had to throw home? You know, how many of those were pop-ups versus ground balls, things like that? So from a skill perspective, from, even less than from, 20 from, per, yeah, per, per yeah, technique. Yeah, yeah. so it, all in all, you know, assists or putouts, 20. Yep. And that's probably pretty accurate for a shortstop. It's, it's going to be even less for a right fielder. It's going to be even less for, you know, for a third baseman uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. You can see where I'm going. In practice, that kid could get 20 ground balls in the first 15 minutes yeah. if you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and there are, there are drills that we, um, you know, we would recommend, I think, that we would be able to train up coaches in a player development program to do, to be able to provide rep after rep after rep of getting ground balls to your front side, ground balls to your left side, to your right side, ground balls on the run, ground balls where you're throwing the ball to second base, ground balls where you're throwing the third, ground balls where you're throwing the home, ground balls where you're turning to, ground balls where you're having to, um, you, you have to improvise, you know, you booted a ball, so let's boot one on purpose, let's, yes. let's, let's, let's you know, hit right. it, give him a paddle and, and have him, have him hit it off the paddle, then you got to find it and pick it up and make the play. All kinds of things. You could have 300 ground balls hit to you in the scale of three practices, and and tell me that's not developing a player better, right? To become a better competitor than playing 13 games in a weekend, right? And that, but I, you know, again, I think the what people will say is that the you know the game environment, the pressure that's on the player mm -hmm. makes those reps different in practice. But that's you know that's why we'll talk about how we apply pressure to you know in our practices and and, and exactly. make our practices more difficult than what our games are. You know that's that's when you should have the most pressure on you. That's, and I I would ask this question: How many games does it take for them to for them to get that pressure? You know, because we're not saying don't play games. No, I right. mean, what kid would want to play a sport where all you do is practice? And so I understand that that kids do want to play games. So we're not saying let's not play any games. We're saying if we if if we know that those kids' goal and our goal is to help them be the best they can be, the games are going to be a lot more fun if they're if they're getting better. And so I, there's a balance that's needed right now in sure. today's world. And I think you could ask yourself if you're a coach or a parent. And I know, you know, I can definitely ask myself this. When, when are you more engaged? Are you mm. more engaged during practice? You know, does it matter more to you during mm. practice or does it matter more in the games? I think they'll say it matters more in the games. Let's talk about coaches for a second. Let's talk, let's, let's, let's go, let's go ahead and go that route. Because one of the things, one of the aspects of the player development program that we talked about is that, is that it would be a program that is run by coaches and leaders. When I say leaders, I'm talking about the people who are in charge of the organization. So you're whatever you call it, a president, commissioners, you know, the, the, the people who are, who are organizing it for the kids, because again, it, it is for the kids. Absolutely. It's not, it's not for the adults. It's not mm -hmm. for the parents. Ultimately, we understand that without the parents and the adults and the coaches, the kids couldn't have it. And, but ultimately we got, we've got to have a kids first a player first, a kids first mindset when we create anything. And so that begins with coaches being the best that they can be 
And it begins with coaches and leaders who are committed to, to just personal development, to, to wanting to be, uh, wanting to, wanting to grow in their own understanding of the game and their own understanding of how to communicate the complexities of the game to kids and how to communicate those things in very simple ways that kids can actually grasp a hold of. We want to see coaches who have a desire to really, to really, to practice. Yes. <laughs> to coach themselves. To I think I read themselves. a book one time called The Coaching Life by Chris Stewart. Yeah. Where can the, I pick one of those up? <laughs> the kind of, it, the concept of, you know, to be able to coach other people successfully, you have to be a coach of yourself. And you have to, you know, when you, when, if you're going to ask someone to do something, you have to be willing to do that same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ask our, our athletes to get better. That's what we ask them to do. So why wouldn't we try to do the same thing? Yeah. We touched on this in the first episode when we talked a little bit about the kinds of things that we would be talking about. And I mentioned, you know, the idea of, of coaching the coach and how it's, I have, I have a personal, um, interest and personal passion to, to want to help coaches become the best they can be. And, and I include myself in that. And that's why every day. I try to take the opportunity to 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 learn something myself, whether that be through sitting down and reading a book. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm reading something. If anybody ever, I want to always be ready with an answer when somebody comes up to me and says, "What are you reading right now?" And it's for me personally, it's going to usually always be something from the Bible. I, I'm committed to that, but also I want to have another book that I know that I'm reading right now that I can say, "Hey, here's what it is, and here's what I'm learning from it," and and that may be in paper form, or I might be listening to it on audio and, or I might be listening to a book and reading a different one. And those are, those are things that I think have to be, you know, commitments. And it doesn't always have to be about the game. It, it can just be, as you mentioned, personal development, because the, the, the more you work on yourself, the more you desire to get better at life, to get better at living life, the, the more you're going to have a passion to help others do the same thing. And that's really what it comes down to when we're talking about coaching people. We're not talking about just coaching a game. We're talking about taking a, a group of kids, whether they're nine years old or 18 years old, and trying to help them to navigate through life and the adversities and the complexities that life will bring at them in a way that they can be successful, that they can respond to things successfully. And if we can use a game to help them with that, man, that's awesome. Yeah. But if we're not, if we're not doing it ourselves, we're not going to be able to pass that along to, to, to the people that we're coaching. And, right. and it's, and it's so valuable to, to, to make sure that that's, that that is the kind of coaches that we are recruiting, that we are, that we're, you know, that we're trying to get to, to be involved in a, in a player development program. Mm-hmm. I think it might be helpful to say too, because I've, I've kind of experienced this myself. I haven't, you know, over the years, I haven't, um, I've read some books, but not, not at the uh, level that I am now. And uh, sometimes it's, it's difficult, you know, especially like you say, you're reading two books. You, you might be reading a book that you don't necessarily enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you might have to get through it. You don't, you can put it down, but, but uh, that's such a hard thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, and I actually mentioned that in the introduction of, co- of coaching life, I, I mentioned how I uh, changed my approach to reading. I used to think that if, that if I bought a book, I had to read it cover to, I'd feel bad if I didn't right. read it cover to cover. Yeah. And, and I've just changed my completely changed my approach now. It's like, you know what? I'm, I'm reading a book and if it's starting to get redundant to me, like I, I, I got the point in the first few chapters or I got what I needed out of it. If I, I've told myself, if I get, if I get one tidbit, one thing out of a book 
that is valuable to me, it's already worth $25 or more or whatever it was that I paid for it. Usually I'm not paying that much for, a, for you know, for the books that I read anyway. And, and so I'm, I'm okay with putting it down. Yeah. Just put it down. Go yeah. ahead start another one. Yeah. Read put another. it down. And, and also from my experience, I've, I've kind of gotten a rut of, you know, I yeah. don't really feel like reading today, but then, you know, I'm kind of like, is this how it's going to be? And I'll pick up a book and I'll start reading and I'll get really into the book. Yeah. And you know, whatever the content is just really hitting me. And I, you know, I get, I get all amped up yeah. and I'm ready to go and, yeah. I, and I just zip through the book, you know? Yeah. So I'm kind of doing that right now with, um, movement, movement over maxes. Uh, oh yeah. Zach can't. Yeah. A, a book about, uh, strength training. And, and he, he specifically talks about what's the author of movement over movement over maxes again, Zach Deckett. Sorry. Yeah. I said his name De- wrong. Deckett. First time. Yeah. Deckett. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he actually wrote that that sort of a, a, a it's kind of a an overview of his own program, right? Yeah, as, he, as he, he actually trains. uses the words in the book player development program or player right? development system. Yeah, player development system. Yeah, something like and that. It's, it's, and it's his vision and philosophy and his method for for training, for specifically baseball and softball players, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And how important that physical you know physical training is to the game. Absolutely. Very important. Yep. So that's something that we, you know we'll talk about. We'll get into. But right. Yeah. So, so when I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I, I, I go through ruts as well. I go through the ups and downs. There are times when I don't feel like reading and there are times when I, there, there, listen, there are times when I don't feel like doing a lot of things, <laughs> right? They're, 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 one of the, one of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned in my life has been to, to, to say this to myself, that it does not matter how I feel, <laughs> do it anyway. You yeah. know, to say, I mean, it, there, there is, I mean, it's, it's one of the, it's so simple, yet it's such a hard thing to do. One of the hardest things to do is to act differently than you feel. But you know, we expect our youth athletes to do yes. it. We, you know, like, we, yes. we think they're no, worth nothing if they can't go out and give maximum effort. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, they want to go, if they don't want to go out and play right field, they don't want to do mm-hmm. it. It's hard to do, right? If they don't want to give maximum effort, if they don't want to do something, there is a reason for it. Yeah. They may not even know what the reason is, mm-hmm. but there's a reason. And so what are we trying to do? We're trying to get them to act differently than they feel. You know what the best way to, to, to learn how to do that, to learn how to help a kid act differently than they feel? Model it. Yes. You do it yourself. Every morning, I'll be honest with you, I did not want to get up this morning out of bed. I did, when, my alarm hit the, when my alarm clock went off, I got up, I went in to turn the water on to brush my teeth, and we had no water. Our water was off. I, I didn't know it. It went off like at two in the morning or something. It was still oh, off. Geez. And so I'm like, this is a great excuse to go back that, to bed. It sounds like a personal day. <laughs> right, right. So I didn't feel like it. And there's so many days when I don't feel like it. My alarm, my alarm goes off at 445 in the morning. It's just a commitment that I've made to try to get rolling earlier in the morning. You know, the, the place that I go to work out in opens at 530. And so it gives me some time to get up and read and, and do a little bit of journaling. And, and then and then by that time, I'm awake and it's time to go work out. And then I've got time to, to get back and get ready to go to work. Well, I can't tell you a single day here lately that I've felt like doing that. Yeah. I, I just, but once, I understand. You, once you develop a pattern of habit, you know, a, you know, a, ha- a habitual pattern of a, a system. I, I like that word, develop a system. This is how I live. And, and you speak about yourself as someone who I, I'm an early riser. I'm, I'm, I'm not, but when I start talking about myself as that way, this is who I am. Then it, then it kind of makes you go, okay, this, this is who I am. This, then I need to get up. You know, I need to get, I need to get myself ready. But there are a lot of things that, that you know, as coaches, as as parents, as as dads, as moms, as leaders, 
you know, you know, heck, you know, brothers and sisters, whoever, whoever's coaching these kids, there are a lot of things that I think that would help us become better coaches that, that point back to us just being better people, to being better at, at life ourselves, sure. you know, and that's yeah, what, that's what coaching life talks about. Somebody asked me, which is it when I wrote the book, is it, is it the coaching life? You know, is, am I talking, am I talking about the coaching life, like the life of being a coach or is it coaching life? Both. And I answered, Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it is, it's a book about the coaching life. It's a book about coaching life too. I think that's why sports are so great because they correlate to life so well, whether you're playing or coaching. So no doubt. Well, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about point number one, and we've got about (laughs) seven points that we want to talk about on this player development program idea. And so why don't we wrap up today and then we'll commit to pick up in a different place the next time. And any closing thoughts? Just remember, you know, if, if you're listening out there, uh, this is a conversation and, and we want to know your thoughts. You know, we're not, uh, we're not condemning anyone for their opinion and uh, we're not saying we, we have all the answers. We're just uh, beginning the conversation and letting you know, you know what our perspective is on it. So thanks for listening.